Welcome to the First Time Podcast. I'm your host, Tad. If this is your first time listening to First Time Podcast, welcome to the show and thank you for listening. It's really, really simple. Either me, the guest, or both of us are experiencing something for the first time and we're going to talk about it. We're here in October, so of course we're going to be talking horror. Of course we're going to be talking movies. And this is the rare occurrence where one, we're talking about a new movie, and two, it's something that neither of us had seen up to this point. my guest today is the host of the Rude Horror Podcast, featured on the Prescribed Film Podcast Network. Welcome to the show, Marcus Rude. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the show, Tad. I'm excited to finally get you because um, I, I'm trying to think back of like, I remember, I think the first like interaction we ever had, you came to the Monster Squad screening we had at the Capitol, and then I ran into you at Halloween and Palooza shortly after mm-hmm. that, and, and you were like, hey, aren't you the guy from uh, the Monster Squad thing? And you know, we connected online and found out we have just about everything in common and um, run into each other frequently at all these events here in the Midwest because we have a big horror sort of network here in the in the area. Right. Yeah. I remember uh, we ran into each other at the Fabio Frizzy concert in yes. Park Island. Yeah. Which is an amazing time. Yeah, that was really crazy because that was like one of the last things that we probably got to do before everything went to shit and shut down. So uh, right. Just the fact that Fabio Frizzi was in the Midwest at this little bar and with a full band, it was so fucking cool. And uh, if you weren't there and you're in the Midwest, shame on you because that was like the coolest thing we've had in the area. Yeah, I, I've you know I've been to a lot of shows, a lot of like you know metal local shows and and whatnot. But that was like one of the most coolest music experiences I've ever been to. Yeah, I, I wish I sort of, I mean, part, part of me is like, I wish I would have recorded more on my phone, and the other part of me is like, you know what, I'm glad I didn't, I just was in the moment, because I think I got like one little 30 second snippet on my phone, um, and I'm sure more people recorded more of it than I could probably find online, but I would love to see him again. We had that like, cool surgeons right before COVID, where like John Carpenter, I got to see him twice in Chicago, Fabio Frizzi, I think Goblin is probably still out touring. Uh you know, it was like if you would have yeah. told me back in like 20 years, 10 years ago that this would be possible to see these guys in the U.S. touring like concerts, like sold out concerts. I would have been like, you're fucking lying. Like, no way. Fabio <laughs> Frizzi in the Quad Cities. And when I saw that, I'm like, you know, I have to make it. It was like a Sunday night, too, wasn't it? I think. And mm-hmm. yeah, uh, but just so fucking cool, man. Like and like I said, we just run into each other. But where did your like roots for horror come in like where where did was this something that you started as a kid or like i don't i don't know much about your background to know like where you where, where you got into horror yeah yeah so uh i did get into horror as a, a little kid like i, I would say a little kid but i guess a little kid uh my uh stepdad before my uh, him and my mom got married uh he lived with his brother and sometimes i would go over there and get babysat or whatever you know like there's uh some of my cousins there and uh of course they had a a vcr with a bunch of movies and being you know guys and having a bachelor pad i guess uh they had a whole bunch of horror movies and uh so i got exposed to uh predator was the first uh movie i saw when i was like two oh wow like like real little, like I shouldn't have even been watching it. But oh yeah, it, it was on TV, and you know, 
watched Predator, uh, I guess you can call it a creature feature in a way. So that was kind of like my introduction into horror. And I was just like obsessed with that movie. I would watch it and then rewind it, watch it. <laughs> re- you know, it was just kind of like a, a uh, recurring thing. And then I remember uh, uh, Demon Knight, the Tales from the Crypt movie. Oh, yeah. Watched that as a younger kid. And that one actually kind of scared me. I think that was one of the very first films that really scared me. And uh, that and then uh, Child's Play. Uh, You know, Chucky really freaked me out as a kid. So that was kind of like the two first movies, I think, that really scared me. Predator really didn't scare me. I mean, it was kind of like a mixture of like the action, sci-fi, uh, creature feature kind of thing. And, I, you know, I just thought that was cool. Um, but, but yeah, I, I would say like once it got to like Demon Knight and Child's Play, I was like, whoa, this is uh, going to give me nightmares. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just over the years, just watching... Uh, I think like uh, I'm more or less gravitated to like the the sci-fi horror kind of stuff as like what really uh, got me into watching what would you know eventually just be full-on horror and uh, just you know got sucked into the world of horror and just try to watch everything that I could that was you know horror related. Yeah, uh, that's I've heard the classic argument of whether. Predators considered a horror movie. I absolutely considered a horror movie. It has a monster. It has blood and guts. I mean, yeah, it's action sci-fi, but that doesn't mean it can't be horror. But yeah, one of my uh, that was one I actually came to late. Like I didn't see that one when I was a kid. I probably actually saw Predator Two on TV before I even saw the original. Um, and and that sort of actually drove me away from it. I was like, uh, this thing with like Danny Glover and Gary Busey, like, I don't know about this. And then he's in the city. Then when I saw the original with Arnold, I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. I get why this is such a huge classic. Like why, why it's so beloved. Um, but no, I, I, I was born in 85. I saw Chucky when I was a kid, but for some reason he didn't freak me out at all. Like I was more afraid of, uh, werewolves and probably more alien stuff freaked me out. Like, the unknown because i as a kid i was like i would kick the doll the dolls dolls can't come alive but like what's out there like the bottom of the sea and outer space are two things that freak me out so more like alien you know that would freak me Mm -hmm. out um and jaws you know it's like what's in the ocean we're not meant to be on water so that freaks me out but uh chucky never i i know so many people who were like terrified I, i've always enjoyed actually the later chucky movies where he just full-on goes campy and is and is funny um but mm-hmm. i i do i think to, like child's play 2 is probably my favorite of that franchise yeah it's, it's really good um and you know and i really like uh, child's play 3 a lot too but uh I, I guess this this would be kind of I don't know if it's embarrassing for me, but uh, I guess I'll just say <laughs> this as to why I'm afraid of Chucky or used to be as a kid. Um, when I was a little kid, uh, my mom had bought me a My Little Buddy doll, and uh, which is very similar to like the Good Guy doll. Oh yeah. And uh, you know the doll just happened to look kind of like me, like brown eyes, brown hair. You know, but just had a cap and a, uh, the the over the what was called the bibs. Yeah, the, the like what Chucky wears. So mm-hmm. 
you know, I had that. And, you know, it wasn't scary to me. But then once I found out about Chucky, I never looked at that thing the same. <laughs> you like, he was going to come alive. Yeah, put it in the closet, lock the door. Yeah. We had like a Teddy Rupskin because I have older siblings. And um, I wasn't necessarily terrified of it. But that thing, like it, it moved its mouth and you put like a cassette tape in its back and it'd read it to you. And I was like even before i saw chucky i'm like man this thing isn't cool like i don't not only was it just sort of lame but it just sort of like i, I don't like it it's moving its mouth and stuff like i don't right. know i i sort of just hated it i'm like you know i i liked i had like a my pet monster that was cool because it didn't you know talk or move um but yeah that i i yeah. the whole doll thing never really freaked me out but um you know puppet master i didn't get into those until i was older like I had I had a older brother who was big into horror and that's sort of how I got into it but uh he never got like obsessed like us like there's something about the horror genre like you don't you don't ever see conventions for comedy movies or um for you know it's just mostly horror sci- some sci-fi you know there's some crossover there but it's like yeah. there's not you know it's like a genre where you either love it or you don't and it's it's interesting like especially in the Midwest here, like you guys in the, in the Quad Cities area have a very big, you know, community. You guys always have these outdoor screenings. Uh, you guys have a lot of cool events. Obviously, Jeff bringing Midwest Monster Fest to the area has been a huge help on, on sort of mm-hmm. uniting everyone. But it's just been awesome to like intertwine. We got the Otomo guys with prescribed films. You got you guys. And then it's like Burlington. We only have a few people, but we try to get some cool things here at the Capitol. But it's like, it's just a big yeah. Midwest horror family, and and I love it. Yeah, yeah, me too. I, uh, you know, before Midwest Monster Fest ever happened, uh, yeah, I found out about like Halloween of Palooza, and was like, man, I really gotta check it out because you know there's gonna be some celebrities and the vendors, and you know, I just love the Halloween time of year. I kind of live like Halloween's every day, but you know, just being able to celebrate this time of year uh i was like yeah i really got to check that out because otherwise you know i gotta drive all the way to chicago for a convention yep and it's like you know it's you know it's kind of nice to uh try to support what's happening in iowa you know uh so you know it's it's just uh a lot of fun doing those types of things and uh, when I had talked to Jeff, I think he was actually vending uh, Halloween of Palooza, and he was like, "Yeah, I was thinking about uh, maybe starting up a convention in the Quad Cities, you know, trying to bring uh, you know people around there and try to get you know more or less the people from the Quad Cities involved in something like this." And it's like, "Yeah, man, that'd be awesome!" And then lo and behold, like the next year, he he starts the first one and. You know, he's just been going ever since. Yeah, he's he's a madman. Like, I've told him before, I admire his just um, drive. Like, that dude went from not doing one. I mean, he was a toy vendor, so he knew the ins and outs of conventions. But, like, he came out of the bat swinging. That first one was a lot of fun. And by this, this, this past year, technically the second one, it had, like, tripled in size. And it's just, holy shit, man, that guy doesn't play around. It's like... I can't wait to see what he does. I mean, we're back, he said, you know, they're back at the Rust Belt next year, which was a great venue for it. But just mm-hmm. insane how quickly. I mean, it's like 
I don't know if anyone's ever done a one, two like that. in your second event, having something that big with that many guests. And it's like, anytime he had someone cancel, he had a replacement right away. That might've even been yeah. bigger and better. It's like, dude, I, I, I actually sort of commented. I'm like, you don't have to replace everybody. I think people understand, like, especially <laughs> right now that people are going to cancel and it's, we understand, but no, it was like three days out and he's not still announcing guests. I'm like, you're a madman, Jeff. Uh, so if if you listen to this, Jeff, we love you. Um, we love what you do. Keep doing it. Um, we'll sit and we'll we'll always support your events. But man, you're crazy. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, he Jeff's awesome. And you know, I'll comment on uh, this this previous uh, Monster Fest. I was actually kind of a little overwhelmed, like of just how many guests he had. Like, man, like this is just insane for you know the second year of him just ever putting on a, a horror convention that he has so many guests and you know like you said having guest replacements like you know by the by the flip of a light switch you know he's already has one lined up and it's like wow man this is i'm i was impressed i was very impressed yeah and then as of recording this um we both just attended uh halloween palooza over the weekend i, I was there a little bit friday night and then um most of the daytime Saturday, I left a little. I left right before Rocky Horror because I we needed to head home. But uh, I I saw you briefly Saturday. It was just like one of those things that it's so many people there that it's like I can't. I just simply don't have time to talk to everybody. It's like oh you know hey wave at everybody as I as I walk by to a, get grab some food or go to a panel or whatever. But mm-hmm. uh, it's it's like you know having. Midwest Monster Fest like a month ago than this and it's going to be sort of a, a long winter without having something like this it's like <laughs> you know we got to figure someone's got to put on like a winter con you know so we can keep meeting up because it's just going to be a long cold winter without uh, something to look forward to right yeah I was talking to I forgot who I, I was talking to someone at Halloween Police and I was like uh, I think I think maybe uh, Eric who helps uh, Jason put on the horror nights at Roz Talks. Uh-huh. And cuz you know pretty soon they're probably going to stop uh doing the um horror nights because uh they're kind of strictly doing like uh, patio screenings, like mm-hmm. outside screenings. And then just like with their uh COVID restrictions right now, I don't know if they're going to keep uh doing them through the winter time. I was like too bad like we couldn't get like a a uh, couple weekends of like decent weather in the winter time and then just do like an outside screening and have like a bonfire outside oh, yeah. you know to keep keep us warm and then maybe put on like black christmas or silent night deadly night or you know like some uh winter christmas yeah, like krampus or something horror. yeah 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 i love i mean i i'm i am a big fan of christmas horror it's probably like my favorite second favorite genre in with like subgenre of horror i just have a weird obsession with it so you know i, I guess it maybe it's because it just sort of keeps that feeling alive like i used to get really really bummed on november 1st because i was like gotta put all the halloween stuff away and everybody goes back to their normal life and i'm still like ready to keep going with horror stuff but i've learned to sort of spread it out so like um i don't just weigh it all on one day because it always ends up just sort of disappointing me so i I, it's like november 1st i'm still going to be watching horror movies i'm still you know and and you're the same way i mean us horror fans it doesn't stop when october does but it's it's like we feel sort of 
vindicated for a month where it's like everybody's joining us for this fun stuff uh are you doing any of the like um challenges like i know people always do you know this this night we're watching a a cursed doll movie while this one we're watching an ant like a creature feature are you doing any of that stuff for october right yeah i uh you know i i usually do stuff like that but i've just been like really busy with you know podcasting myself and just uh things just going on in my life is like god ah, where's the time yeah but uh you know i i did make a list uh with my wife we made a bonus episode just talking about uh like five movies that we want to watch during october that's that's halloween related or you know just like a, a great movie to watch during october halloween time so we got about 10 movies that we've picked out that we are for sure going to watch this month. So like we don't have really a challenge, but you know, she picked five that I didn't know about. And then I picked five that she didn't see. And then we just, you know, we talked about those. And so we kind of got like a list, but not like a, you know, like one of those lists that you see online where it's like, Oh, we're going to watch that creature feature tonight. And tomorrow yeah. we're going to watch killer dolls or, you know, yeah, that I mean that stuff. I I commend the people who do it. I, I'm sort of jealous of them, but like, like you said, you know, I'm busy between the other podcasts. This podcast, um, I you know we're showing stuff at the theater, which you know technically it's like like as of recording this, uh, it would be this coming Wednesday. We're showing Carpenter's original Halloween, and it's like, yeah, I could count that, but I'm wearing a projector, so I'm not really getting to enjoy the movie. I'll be upstairs making sure everything's working correctly and. You know, it's like it doesn't feel the same as getting to sit down and watch it. But uh, no, every it just seems like life gets in the way. You know, it's like I, I envy those people who do a movie a day. I'm just like, man, I wish I could fit that in. And and if maybe if I, you know, prioritize things differently. But um, it, it feels like between the two podcasts, a lot of it is sort of. Not, not, well, I guess sort of like homework, you know, where it's like I'm watching yeah. something. So, so I guess it's sort of a, a, a nice transition. Like you, you mentioned podcasting, um, the Rude Horror podcast. How many episodes are you in now? Um, I have to, uh, I put you on I the think, spot. I think, well, I think it's, uh, 71, but I'm, I'm actually working on a couple right now for future ones. But I think, like, right now published, it's 71 episodes. And then I have like several bonus episodes. So I think like if you count those with, you know, all together, I think I have like 80, 85 episodes. And how long have you been doing it for? Um, actually, at the time of recording right now, uh, I think Saturday will be like the two year mark of doing the Rudor podcast. So that's awesome. Two years. That's awesome. I know you've gotten some really fantastic guests. Like what have been some highlights for you? Wow. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I've had so many guests on my show to where I can't really just like... You can't pick favorites because you don't want to... Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings or whatever, but I mean, like, some that, like, uh, I don't know, but I was, like, just blown away that I actually got them on my podcast. Uh, I know I mentioned, like, Jim Wynarski sometimes. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, he was a big one. I was actually nervous a little bit. To be honest, well, I would be too. Yeah, you know, he's he's made like some of the, I don't know, like the cult classics that that you know 
I enjoy watching like almost every year, ever since I've seen Chopping Mall. That's just been kind of like a religious movie where I have on the TV like at least once a year. And then just, you know, stumbling upon the, uh, the chance of getting him on the show. I was just like, wow, this is surreal, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> having, having him on there. I've sort of like uh, tiptoed on that, but I'm like, man, I don't know if I even want big names like that because I just would probably be like uh, Chris Farley when he was when he did that Beatles sketch where he had uh, Paul McCartney. He's like, hey, Paul, remember when you were in the Beatles? That was awesome. Like, I'd probably just turn into a fucking idiot. Like at conventions, for the most part, when I talk to to uh, like the celebrities do the meet and greets, like I, I just like failed to know what to say, like because every everybody hears like hey your movies are awesome you know or hey i really like your movie like i just i was like even this past weekend when i met kelly maroney i was just like hey can i just get a quick autograph and picture i'll leave you alone like i don't have anything to tell you like you know that i'm a fan obviously otherwise i wouldn't be here getting a picture so what do you like i don't even know what to say but i guess you know podcasting is it the the nice thing is like you're doing it across you know they're across the country most of the part and it's like mm-hmm. it's a little less i don't know a little less um it's like face to face is a little more intimidating but it's still i would be nervous as shit too man yeah yeah so i mean you know but then there there's even times or like when I'm like when i first was going to record with him he could tell i was nervous and he's like hey man hey He's like, stop, stop. He's like, I'm just Jim fucking Wynarski, man. Like, just, <laughs> you know, I'm just a dude, man. Like, you know, you, you know, you don't have to be nervous or anything. So, like, just him just kind of, like, clearing the air, I think, you know, was, it really helped me. But still, you know, just kind of doing my intro and then naming off the movies that he's worked on. It's like, wow, you know, like, this, I can't believe this is happening. Um, but yeah, and then we just talked about, uh, not of this earth which is a fun uh, sci-fi uh you know corman re- you know it's a remake of the corman 50s movie uh it has i guess you know some horror elements and you know obviously tracy lords was uh something great to look at in the film <laughs> but uh yeah man you know he he was a big uh name that i was really stoked to get on um, even like talking like Wyatt Weed, who played uh, the boar predator in Predator Two, uh, I learned so much from him, uh, and I I was kind of a little under, um, I wouldn't say like uh, like unprepared or anything, but I you know I kind of like looked at some of the other stuff that he's worked on, but as I was talking to him, like I didn't realize like how much that he had done on a lot of the films that he's credited as to working on, mm-hmm. uh, it just blew my mind as to just hearing the stories of what he could tell, man. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, like... I mean, I could go on and on about some of the other guests I've had on, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's been a lot of, uh, great artists that have been on my show. It's been a lot of fun. So like, do you, and you don't have to say out loud, you can tell me off the mic, but like, do you just sort of like somehow find them online and reach out and say, Hey, come on my show and just sort of shoot, shoot it at it, shoot it out there and see if uh, they actually respond. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I have, uh, responded like that. Um, I think with, uh, like white weed, I think what really helped was meeting him at Midwest monster fest. Okay. So he kind of, 
uh, you know, kind of knew who I was a little bit because, you know, I talked to him for a while and, uh, my buddy Ed had went, uh, actually to Halloween a Palooza with me, uh, this last time, but we had kind of walked up to his table and we were just kind of like giving each other crap, kind of like just, you know, just we were talking shit to each other, but like, you know, in a friendly way. Mm-hmm. And I think why we kind of got a kick out of us is kind of going back and forth. And so I think he just kind of, you know, thought we were hilarious or something. And so I think that helped when I reached out to him was like, Hey, you know, I met you at Midwest monster fest. Uh, and then, you know, I'm starting this podcast, blah, blah, blah. And asked him if you want to be a guest. And he was like, yeah, sure. And, so I think that kind of really helped, even just having him on the show, and you know, just because he has somewhat of a name. Well, that, yeah, and you know. I'm sure it's like he met you in person. He knows you're a legit, like you're a good dude. You're not going to. I mean, the internet is full of fucking weirdos. So you know, yeah. If he doesn't, if if he hadn't met you, you're just another. You could be a troll. You he, who knows? You know, he could be like setting himself up for yeah for the worst fucking experience of his life you know and and that's the thing with like podcasts it's the wild west so it's like i don't blame anyone for not you know i've reached out to a few people and just never heard back and uh that's i've sort of just kept it to my friends and and i've met some new people and stuff but i haven't had any big names it's like you know i i've only shot my shot a few times didn't get a response and I'm okay with it. Cause like I said, uh, who am I, you know, d- difference between some, you know, 10 year old who's on fucking Twitch, you know, dropping, uh, race, racist slurs and stuff. You know, it's like the internet's mm-hmm. full of the worst people in the world. So, uh, you know, and, and especially like you said, once you get like one name on your show and, and other guests can see, okay, he's had like legit guests. It, it's like a, a snowball effect where, you know, once once yeah. you have them on the on the list, it's like, oh shit. Well, you know, I, if if they were on, I can be on. You know. Yeah, yeah. I think you know that that kind of helped. And plus, I think like one of the bigger things is is when I reach out to some people, I'm just honest with them. Mm-hmm. Like I just kind of tell them like, hey, you know, this is who I am. This is what I do. Uh, you know, sometimes you know I'll say like, you know I'm a big fan of some of your films and. It'd be awesome if you could come on to talk about your career or just just talk about the horror genre like not even uh talk about their movies if they don't want to mm-hmm. like, you know we just talk about the horror genre if you know they're interested and and actually uh, surprisingly i've had people reach out to me so it's not all just me uh asking everybody like sometimes people it, like, it's hey, a two-way street i see yeah yeah that's right, cool. Right. Well, that means you're you're obviously you know gaining a reputation for yourself, a good reputation, um, which is a good sign. You know that if, if people are asking to be on your show, that's that's awesome. And I, I feel like every once in a while we'll get on AOTKP, we get requests um, when people want to promote like a new indie film or something. And, and every once in a while, you know, we'll have a guest on if it's not too if it's like more organic where we know the person or if it's like a friend of a friend or something, but, uh, we, we get some really weird requests from people that we, we don't know at all. And they're like, Hey, I'm making this micro budget, like sex, uh, sci-fi weird, like softcore porn horror movie. Can I come on your show and promote it? It's like, you can't just use our show to promote your shitty movie. No, but, uh, 
(laughs) We're flattered that you want to, but no, that's because our show is not really about interviewing, but that's what I like about your shows is different, you know, and and it's not just an interview. You guys, you have some really good deep chats and, uh, you know, you, you got some names under your belt. So that's always interesting. Uh, you know, I, I think my listeners, if you haven't somehow heard of the rude horror podcast, go check it out. Um, it's on the PFPN, but it's available wherever you listen to podcasts and just scroll through the list and you'll be like, Oh shit. He had him on. He had him on. Like he's got some, some good names on there. Right. I have had the composer for zombie three on my podcast. Like sometimes I like to put on like just random episodes like like uh, who like i've i've heard the movie but like wow how did he get that person on you know what i mean right like, just uh stuff like that i try to um i don't keep people on their toes i guess like as far as like you just, you don't know who's gonna be on the show next like could just be you know a big actor that everyone knows and then the next one could be like a horror author mm-hmm. or uh you know, or a composer for a movie. Uh, just, you know, I, I try not to limit myself. I try to just have guests on that, like, if they've worked within the horror genre in some type of way, um, you know, that that qualifies enough for me. Like, you know, I'll, I'll have them on, and, and, and if we can actually talk about the horror genre, that's always a big plus. Right. Well, it sort of like leads into this discussion because like we've been back and forth on me being on your show, you being on Attack the Killer podcast or being on this show. And it was like I saw the opportunity where you had a few days off work and I'm like, I'm going to jump on Marcus right away and see if I can fit him in here. Um, And then we we went back and forth on the movie and... um, you know, I I feel like I've gotten like a rut where I was watching a lot of old horror um, and classics and stuff. And it's we've both seen a lot of horror, but, you know, you had this massive watch list and um, you sent it my way. I sent you my list. And then I just sort of jumped on on the movie we're talking about tonight because um, one, I really just really wanted to see it. It was like at the top of my watch list um, and I needed an excuse to just watch it without feeling guilty that, you know, it. it with a podcast, it's like if I watch something and I don't record a podcast about it, I almost feel bad. Like that was a waste. But um, <laughs> this one, like I really was excited for. Um, and I haven't done a new. I've only maybe done two two movies on that I can think of off the top of my head on the show where I where it was like new release. Like everything has been like an old classic or a like a cult movie or whatever. So. Um, this one, right, right. yeah, this one was new. I was excited about it, and we are going to talk about VHS 94. Police search warrant! Police search warrant! Do not touch anything. Could be no one left alive in here. Do I just press the button? Press the red button. Just press it. I assume they're paying extra for this. Yes. This is a remarkable story. Hello? Hello? Holly? 
veggie masher turns your vegetables into a tasty, mm, mouth-watering paste. Okay, VHS 94, the fourth film in the VHS franchise was, re was released October 6th, 2021, exclusively on Shudder. So as of recording this, less than a week ago. Um, and we have another great sort of anthology, crazy horror movie. Um, first, right off the bat, first impressions. Did you love it, hate it, um, feel indifferent about it? Uh, I, with this one, I loved it. I uh, wasn't really expecting uh, this one to be great, to be honest. Uh, I, I, hadn't, I actually hadn't seen VHS viral, the third one, but I've seen the first two. But, uh, you know, from, from what I've heard, the third one wasn't that great, so that's why I was like, um, I don't know. But, uh, you know, I've always been intrigued by the series, and uh, from just looking at the the previews of this one and uh just the the idea of, of what they're trying to do with this one uh i was like man this this one actually might be really good and i was i was really surprised like this one actually might be one of the best ones in the series yeah i opinion. also have not seen vhs viral um i love the first two vhs movies i don't even really remember it looks like the first one came out in 2012 they put one out a year. VHS two was 2013 and viral was 2014. Um, just a side note, do not Google VHS viral. A lot of gross stuff pops up. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I was just like looking up the, the release dates and I was like, Oh, this is like, um, it's popping up for like STDs gross. But, um, wow. I, I do vividly <laughs> remember like the first one blew me away. Cause I wasn't, I had no idea what to expect. And it was sort of during the, the uh, found footage craze and I was sort of done with found footage. And then they used it to like the best, um, the best way you could possibly do it. I think. Uh, and, and looking back, they had Simon Barrett, Adam Wingard, Wingard, um, Ty West, Joe Swamberg and radio silence on that first one. And like all of them have gone on to do huge things. I mean, fucking Godzilla versus Kong. Uh, Ty West is one of my favorites, but I, I feel like he's been missing yeah. for a couple of years. Radio Silence, their their new movie, uh, Scream 5, heard of it, comes out in January. That's fucking crazy. Um, <laughs> you know, Simon Barrett, he's doing great things. He just did Seance, and funny enough, he did a segment in, in this new one. But um, the, the VHS 2 had, this, had Adam and Simon back, and also Gareth Evans wrote one of the segments. I did not recognize any of the names on VHS Viral, so I'm not sure what happened there if... They just the producers had the use of the name or they and, and like I said, I haven't seen it, so I can't fairly say it sucked. I've heard I've never heard a good thing about it, um, yeah, unfortunately, but I'm just sort of I, I'm almost curious now just because I've seen all the others. But luckily, like these don't tie together, so you don't have to see, you know, don't have to see the previous one to see this one. But I was a little pessimistic when they announced that vhs 94 was coming a new one um but i had faith from shutter they've put out some really great uh, original stuff in the last couple of years they've really stepped up their game so um i went into Most it definitely. And, and and i was excited when this was on the list i was excited I, I, and i watched it and i fucking loved it too so i'm happy to hear you loved it because it would have been a bummer if like one of us hated it <laughs> uh, i i really for the fourth entry in a franchise and like maybe 
just having that long break is like what they needed and and to refresh it um I, I really, right. really liked it. So the, the basic premise is a police SWAT team investigates a mysterious VHS tape and discovers a sinister cult that has pre-recorded material, which uncovers a nightmarish conspiracy. So we have the wraparound story, just like the other two that we've seen, um, and then our short stories within, which I just love that concept. I love anthologies. Um, as someone who runs a short film festival, this is like right up my alley because it's like if you don't like one of these segments, there's going to be another one coming up, and you're probably going to like at least one of them. Um, so I was excited to see Simon Barrett was back for one of them. Um, the first, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll just sort of go segment by segment, but the wraparound was um, the Holy Hell, which uh, was this SWAT team. They break in. We're, we're watching sort of from their like body cam footage. They're in this big building and they're going through and they're finding dead people everywhere and, and TVs on. And I've always sort of loved the wraparound segments, too, on, on these movies, because it's cool that it's not just like an anthology. I mean, you sort of have to have a good wraparound to, to make it worth it. Yeah, I agree. And I, I thought this was a good setup and it leads right into maybe my favorite i'm not sure I, I i might have to watch it again but the first segment is directed oh by chloe uncuno called storm drain <laughs> with Ratman, and this was fucking cool like yeah the story is pretty simple there's a local news reporter checking out this news story about um the people in a small town are seeing this guy they're called Ratman, which is like a guy that looks like half rat half man so she she thinks it's complete bullshit they show up at the sewer drain she is not about it she doesn't want to get wet but they uh the uh, camera guy talks her into getting into the drain to get the shot and she stupidly gets curious and gets deeper in and shit hits the fan as always and i think this is like the perfect kind of thing for that found footage because i was on my fucking heels like watching this um this yeah. one actually pretty like I, I don't get scared very easily, but man, watching this in like a completely black room by myself when she looks into that tent and sees that fucking thing sleeping in the sleeping bag. Oh, Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, what I what I loved about uh, this segment and, you know, we'll get into other ones, but like I, I really loved how they uh, made the the picture look like it was on a legit VHS tape. And I think that really added to the grimness of uh, in this episode in particular with going into the sewers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just, it really added that extra layer of, uh, we probably shouldn't be in here. Like, what are we doing? Uh, but I, I just loved it. I, I, I loved the, the atmosphere that they, they had set uh, this segment in. I just, I thought it was perfect. and in a horror anthology way for, you know, especially uh, the VHS franchise. Like this was a perfect setup. I thought they started off really strong with this one. Yeah, I thought so too. And, and um, if you didn't catch by the title of VHS 94, these are all set in 1994. And I thought they nailed it without making it like a parody. Like, I feel like sometimes when these movies that are supposed to look, you know, they're supposed to be retro. It's like they try a little too hard where it's like this felt like, you know, news, a newscast that we would have watched when we were kids. You know, 94, I would have been, I don't know, elementary school. I would have been um, nine years old. So pretty young. Um, yeah, I just I remember like my parents always watched the local news and it would just 90 percent of it was just filler bullshit because nothing happens here in the Midwest. 
Yeah. <laughs> so like the setup for it, you know, is, is believable. Like, it, you know, I think setting it in reality and it's and most of these are are pretty simple. We'll get to one that's not very simple, but it was like believable. They had a real legit reason to be recording because they were doing a news story where it's like that's not a stretch. You know, I think is a natural way to have the found footage element to it. Yeah. Um, and like you said, I think it's all a, it's it's a huge thing to make this look authentic without going overboard. Um, you know, for a while there after Grindhouse, like so many movies came out with the, the film grain and the scratches and stuff. And it was like it was really hard for people yeah. to nail where this I love the feeling of this. Like the, it legit feels like we're watching a VHS tape, you know? Yeah. Even the wraparound story, how it was videotaped, like it really looked legit. I was, I was uh, even focusing on that when I was watching it. I was like, you know, this they actually like nailed just the aesthetics of what it would be like if you recorded on a VHS tape, or you know, it, it's recorded on VHS tape, but then you know, from this being from 1994 to now, I mean, that's uh, you know, almost. 20 years or so yeah so just the feel of um you know 20 years goes by sometimes vhs tapes don't last or you know they have some wear and tear on them so of course they're going to be a little banged up when you watch them and uh you know i was like wow like um it'd be really cool if they actually did record on vhs tapes but i don't think they did i tried to look that up if they actually did or not but um if they didn't i think they did just a phenomenal job making it look like it was legit yeah i think um i imagine I, yeah i didn't see that anybody did on this one i imagine at this point like filming digital and transferring it like putting filters on is so much easier and if you can make it look like this one this segment did and, and the, like you said the wraparound then right right on because it, it has that legit feel where a lot of people just don't nail it um, I know like yeah. the WNUF Halloween special was actually filmed on tape and they like made copies of copies of copies to get that, um, like the, the feeling of it being de like degenerating over time, you know, getting yeah. uh, more and more grimy and stuff. And it's funny that I just bought that on Blu-ray and the, and the director's like, uh, don't buy this if you're like looking for it to look better. Cause it's not going to look any better than it does, but it's <laughs> loaded with special features. So, you know um good on them but yeah it's it's uh they i thought they nailed it on this one i i wasn't i i do like it a lot i, I didn't think they necessarily landed the ending the best when she's like back at the station and she throws up in the dude's face it was it was good i mean it didn't ruin it by any means i just i, I don't know how you really end it maybe just have them missing sort of blair witch style but um it, it was still yeah. a lot of fun and and i like I said, this might be my favorite of the of the movie, but um, I'd need to watch it again to see. But right off the bat, like that, the wraparound story had me intrigued because it was intense and and action packed. And then we kick off with this one. I was like, oh hell yeah, we're we're in it now. And I was like, if the rest of these suck, at least it had a very strong start. Um, right. And right. then and then the second one, and again, really impressed me. Simon Barrett from um, you might recognize his name from The Guest and You're Next. He worked with Adam Wingard in all of his early movies, um, and he also was involved with the first two VHS movies. And uh, his segment is called The Empty Wake. And this one, I thought the setup for them recording was a little bit hokey and unbelievable. Like 
but they they explain it you know that the that yeah. some customers want their, their whole wake recorded um now that's more common actually like you can watch people's funerals online like live stream but um i guess it's a little believable but it was scary like it freaked me out yeah yeah i mean i think i think they had way too many cameras in there for one wake yes. to be recorded yeah that's where and it was I a bit of a stretch yeah yeah but i mean it's it somehow worked like i you know i look past that because uh they 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 really kept it uh going as far as just keeping the creepiness going and building up this big uh uh setup to you know a reveal that uh i didn't really see coming towards like the very end but uh holy shit when you actually <laughs> do you know when things start going off uh i don't i don't, I don't really want to spoil anything but well yeah, if, it, if it was awesome yeah i was gonna say if you're listening to this and you haven't seen the movie um one we've already sort of spoiled a lot of the first one but you can hit pause and we i recommend go watch it it's on shutter um shameless plug if you don't have shutter use the code AOTKP, get a free month. You can enjoy the rest of your October watching great horror movies, but um, we're going to spoil these because I, I really want to dig into some of these. But um, basically this, this girl was hired. It seemed like maybe her, it wasn't her, like her first night on the job and basically got hired for this. She, she couldn't like, she, she was basically in need of a job desperately. So she gets hired to basically sit at this wake and make sure it's being recorded. And in case anybody shows up and of course, if you're you're watching a horror movie, so shit's gonna go south. Um, yeah, <laughs> she starts hearing stuff, and as an audience, we know it's not gonna end well. It's not gonna just be sounds um, creeping, but she's she's hearing shit from inside the coffin, and so she calls up her boss and is like, "It's making noises." He he's trying to convince her, you know, oh, it's gases and the body um, leaving. Um, it, it, the one point where he mm. says like, "Go look in the coffin, and it won't freak you out." I'm like. Dude, he was talking about how gruesome it was at the beginning. I'm like, don't don't go look at it. That's not going to help at all because when we finally do see this this man, we find out that you know he he jumped off a bridge or something, right? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, uh, he jumped off like a, a, like a balcony or something. Or yeah, something. and landed on his head, and so he's missing like the top part of his head. Um, and so eventually, yeah, of course, it's a stormy night. Why wouldn't it be? Um, the power yeah. goes out and. This dude creeps. Tornado warning. Too. Yeah, yeah, and and I it's, weather freaks me out. Like, of course, I, I I'm a sucker for storms and horror movies, so I'm like, oh, I love this setup already. Um, it's it's already creepy and dark in this place. So when the power yeah. goes out, you know, is is it goes from bad to worse. She gets a a random guy stops by, talks with her. She gets a phone call. Um, you know, sort of like red herrings that you think, okay, this is what's going to be, th this is where it's going to go bad. This is going to, and eventually, nope, it's, is that sort of almost what we expected where this guy isn't quite dead yet. And, uh, a tornado rips into this, um, funeral home and this guy gets out of his coffin. And, and I love the idea of like these cameras having light and, and he can't, like see her but he can hear her because now he doesn't he doesn't have the head like or she eventually right. like knocks his rest of his head off but man i thought this was yeah i mean i'm sort of like it's not quite a zombie i don't even know what you'd say about this one yeah, like I, I and i think that's kind of part of why i like it is because they 
they didn't give you all the details. They just kind of gave you pieces and then just ran with it. And then it's up to you to decide what's going on. So I, I love that idea that they just, um, just kind of threw it at us. And then we just kind of decide like what the hell is going on. And, uh, I, I just thought it was great how I think the, the guy who did attend the wake, I think he was the one that locked the doors with the chain. So she was trying to escape. Mm-hmm. And she finds out that this body is actually alive and, you know, freaked her out like it would probably freak me out. She tried to leave, but the doors were locked with chains on the outside. So she's stuck in here with this thing. And, uh, and yeah, like half his head is mashed to where he can't see, but one of his ears is still attached so yes. he can hear. So she's trying not to make noise. It, it, it's actually a very good setup because it's, it's smart in that it's you know she it's a setup for how it's believable for us because she has this camera it's like why would she be doing this if you know why would she be recording this well she's using the light on the camera that's why she's doing this so she can actually see him and that doesn't give her away because he can't see so she has to be quiet so it's actually a nice little setup for that yeah yeah most definitely yeah they they definitely set up everything to where uh, it would make sense for her, you know, to pick up the camera. And, you know, I, I thought that was very clever. And, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, the the it, the scenes are, are, you know, obviously fucking freaky, but, like, the idea of her having this camera and, like, like shining the light to see where she's going and, like, it, it goes across the room and there he is and it's like, oh, shit, he's knocking over these chairs trying to find her. And then eventually, like, she finds his head on the ground with, like, the part of his head that has the eye on it, and it's, like, blinking. I thought that was really well done. It was, like, it, not showing it much is what makes it effective. Like, using the the way they used it, the light right. on the on the handheld camera to barely see it really helped out. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, I thought that was kind of, I wouldn't say funny, but it was just, it was kind of cool how, uh, uh, the half of his head that did have the eye was looking around and finally sees her. And then the body knew where to go. Yeah. It's very reanimator, like, um, fun, like scary, but also like fun, like, you know, very, um, reanimator return to living dead where it's not completely serious, uh, and, and just sort of gonzo crazy. And that's what I, you need in this franchise, you know, it was like a, a nice follow up to storm drain. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, like I said, not not my favorite one, but it, it I I did enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, you know, it it kind of was a little slow building up, but I think the ending paid off big time. Yeah, and like I said, uh, weather sort of freaks me out. So having that, like, not not only is she dealing with this guy, she's dealing with um, the elements, and and actually sort of saves her because it busts through that wall and she's able to get out. Um, but yeah, I thought I thought yeah. this one was was really well set up and and belie- pretty believable. Um, which are two things I cannot say necessarily about the next one, which I did I, I enjoyed. But this this next one by I'm I'm gonna mispronounce and butcher this name. Um, Timo Tajan Tajanto. Um, this one's called the subject. He uh directed this one. He also directed some one of the um shorts and vhs2 and abcs of death so um not a newcomer to the franchise but i would say this was probably my least favorite but i still enjoyed parts of it i would say um 
what we talked about on the first two, the, the strengths of making it look like it was actually recorded on VHS. This one did not look like it was recorded on VHS. Um, a little too high quality for yeah. 94. Um, but I, I liked the idea. Like, I liked the writing and the concept of this doctor who's basically working on these crazy science experiments of half machine, half half person, um, and creating these sort of monstrosities. I love the idea. I, it felt more like a first-person video game at times, um, especially when the yeah. camera switches over to one of his subjects and we're seeing it from their perspective. I mean, it was prob- it, it's, it's a cool concept, but at, overall, I would say this was my least favorite one. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I... I mean, I, I liked it, but yet, you know, it did have some flaws. Like, you know, it was too much HD for this being 1994. I actually think it would have been way more creepier if they did add in the, you know, the aesthetics like the other uh, uh, films or the segments before this where they actually had the, you know, made it look more like a VHS tape. Yeah, I think, I think it really made it really would have made it creepy if they and, did. And I think it would have hidden some of the, like, obvious CGI and some yeah. of that. Like, I think it re- really would have helped it out if, like you said, if it had some more of that on there. Um, this one was the only one that's subtitled, which I think that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think it's great to get some, um, you know, um, something outside the U.S., like a little international flair to it. Um, and and yeah. I I thought it was fun. It was sort of a like a jarring change. Like right away, I was like, this looks like it's like 1080p. It's not even like not VHS, but it's like high definition, you know. And yeah, I was like, this is supposed to be 94. I think that immediately took me out. And then some of the CGI was just um, not not even bad, but it was like distracting because it was this was like the opposite of the two this is like the opposite of simple it's it's almost too much for a vhs movie but um i i do appreciate that they try to do something completely different from the other segments like each one had their own thing right right yeah each of them kind of set their own tone for the film but i mean overall you know i think like overall i think the movie is pretty solid like usually we see a lot of horror anthologies where you get like one or two good ones and you know the other ones are bad i actually think like all the stories in this one were solid for the most part um but i mean i guess this one would maybe be the least effective as far as keeping the vhs aesthetic as a, a concept but um this one uh, kind of gave me some like Tetsuo vibes, like yes. Tetsuo Iron Man. Yeah, I can see that. And uh, which, which I you know I I kind of dug that as yeah. far as just seeing something different. And I think this one was an Indonesian, uh, film, if I remember right. And yeah, you know I I, I did uh, enjoy it, but but yeah, like what we're saying, it just it kind of didn't fit the mold. But I mean, it you know it it was okay. Yeah, I think like I said, especially when it switches over to the point of view from the sub, like the main subject, the girl that has she like. There's a point where she like throws on like a sort of machine gun hand, and we're seeing it, and it's like this feels like a video game, like literally like I'm playing a video <laughs> game. Um, which you know not that's not a uh, a rip on it or anything. Um, but it just instantly was like. 
we went from these two lo-fi things, you know, that were very set in the nineties, very felt very real to this, where it's on the other end, complete fantasy, completely crazy. And I felt it was a little too long. Like it could have ended where they came in and shot the doctor and it, but it kept going and, you know, and it just felt like it was about five minutes too long where they could have trimmed it a little bit, but it was still cool. Like I looked watching the creatures, that guy that had like basically a head and like a sort of a spider body. Uh, that was cool. Like you felt oh, for yeah. the, as they're going through and discovering these people or, or even she's going through and like, she has to put some of these people out of their misery. Cause they're basically monstrosities now. Um, and he, and he sort of sabotages the place. Like when they kill him, he, he's, he, basically sort of booby traps the building where it's like you killed me now you know you're gonna meet your end and that's sort of typical of like the mad scientist saying you know this is very reanimator too right right but i had fun with it it just yeah like it's hard to compare because it's like this might have you know i we haven't seen vhs viral this could be like the best segment on that movie who knows but um i felt like all the entries were so strong that there has to be one that's just not uh, my favorite but i still think it was it was good and worth watching yeah i and uh i did want to mention because uh just talking about this reminded me of there's uh an italian uh production company called necrostorm and uh they made some films called hotel inferno and it's it's all like first person uh view and it's kind of like a a horror version of hardcore henry Okay. And uh, this guy just kind of goes through and just uh, kills, like, zombies and stuff, but, like, in, like, very grotesque ways to where, you know, if if you don't like blood and guts and gore and all that stuff, that one probably isn't for you. But if you're, like, a gore hound and you want to see something different, like, I, I uh, recommend checking out the first one at least. And what was the name? And it's called... In- uh, Hotel Inferno. Hotel Inferno. Okay. And I think there's three of them actually. So. Okay. That's cool. Like, yeah, I, I I got like I said, hardcore Henry vibes from this when it switched over to first person. Um, because it, I think it starts with like the doctor sort of filming himself doing these experiments. Then the uh, I guess police or FBI or somebody comes in and and goes at him, and then it switches over to the point of view, which I thought was creative too. You know, it's like how do you make these like you have to give a reason for these to be filmed and you know because there's not just a camera set up so okay i i don't know if that technology existed in 94 where you know (laughs) but again none of this you have to suspend your belief because um this guy is making human robot uh mashups so of course if, if he can do that he can certainly put a body camera on these things but um, the final segment of this yeah. uh, movie is directed by Ryan Prowse, who I was excited to see listed on here because I really love his movie Low Life. Um, and his is called Terror. And this one is a mix of um, political humor, a, um, a little bit of a black comedy, but also um, some horror to it. These dudes are... We, we don't quite... Again, they don't quite explain what's going on, but they're... Um, they have this, these basically like white supremacist guys have this plan to invade a very big building. Um, and they're sort of fumbling over each other. They're, they're kind of a group of fucking idiots. Um, (laughs) just sort of, I think, 
you know, not to get political on the show, but they're sort of, you know, I think they're modeled off of like the Proud Boys and some of these um, groups that have popped up in the last four or so years um, that think they're more cool and um, bigger than they actually are. So they have this big plan to invade a building, but they have to test out their subject. Um, And of course, shit goes wrong and they end up nearly killing themselves. And then they do end up killing themselves. Um, I did. (laughs) Spoiler. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. If, if, like I said, if you haven't uh, watched this, you know, that's on you, but um, what did you think of this one? I, I I enjoyed it. Um, I think I liked it. It's probably my, my third favorite, but I, I enjoyed the, um, sort of political commentary on it because you know I know Ryan Prowse. Um, I met him at it would have been Crypticon Kansas City 2018 or yeah it would have been 2018. His he where he put his he premiered his movie Low Life and he's uh, so I'm sort of biased because he's such a nice guy and I really loved his movie Low Life. So when I saw he was directing this one, I I probably already had it in my mind that I was gonna love it. Yeah, um, yeah. Th- I mean, this one was really good. Like, I was getting, uh, uh, I forgot the, the, the main guy's name. He was kind of like he reminded me of like a cult leader. Like, yeah, you know, he was kind of like the the head honcho, calling the shots on, on what these guys need to do as far as keeping uh, whatever this creature is at bay. And then, you know, they they pretty much. Uh, just throw a big party and uh uh something they probably shouldn't have done is, was <laughs> ease up on the situation yep and, they let their guard down for a second yeah and you know all hell breaks loose but uh you know i i thought this one was was different you know definitely different from the last segment and i i enjoyed it there's a couple moments uh i probably laughed when i shouldn't like during the uh the rabbit scene and the guy's standing up and like, like, what the fuck? What what's going on? All of a sudden, it blows up. And yeah, flies back. Um, I don't think it was really intentionally to be comp to be comedy, but uh, in situations like that, uh, and then knowing what kind of person that guy is, it was kind of funny. I to think. See. Yeah, I I think there was some intentional like black comedy in here. I think. Um, you know, we heard some stories about like the January insurrections where um, some of these people protesting hurt themselves or ended up, you know, accidentally killing themselves. Uh, so it's sort of uh, a dark, some dark comedy. But I think he's um, the yeah. kind of guy that would write that to be funny because, yeah, they're they're all waiting for the, something to happen. They put I don't even know what they put on this little white bunny in the cage and they all like run and they're waiting and waiting. They're like, oh, nothing happened. Then boom, they nearly kill themselves with it. But but they're just stoked that it worked. Yeah. Like, oh, there's a tree blocking the light. Like it's like they injected uh, some something in the rabbit to where. Yeah. Once I, sunlight touches it or hits it. Yeah. I think they uh, must have given it like a shot of vampire blood or something. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to figure out what it was. I'm like, what? What is that stuff? Stuff that, you know, when it gets in direct uh, contact with sunlight, they just blow up. Yeah, I assumed. I you know, yeah, I'm really sure what that was. Yeah, they do a pretty good job of of keeping it like a mystery. So we're intrigued watching it. And I assume, and, and like I said, I, I watched this once, right? But like, you, you watched it today, right? I think I, I saw it pop up on. Yeah. Yeah, I tried to make this as fresh as possible. You know, being like, you know, the first time ever watching it, I was going to try to 
make it just as fresh as I could make it. Yeah, I thought about rewatching it, but I was like, yes. this is first time, so I got to just go in. So um, if I remember correctly, this is like it, the creature that they were hiding in this mine shaft was basically like vampire, right? Like, that's what I sort of yeah. gathered. Like, they don't explain it, but it seems like they were going to yeah. unleash this vampire on whatever building they were going to invade. And of course, they lose their own people to it and they lose control of the situation and of course it it's a major fuck up and it ends up killing all of them in a in gruesome fashion there's some really rad uh kills at the end of this one yeah yeah like and you know especially the very end just you know how things really pop off i was like holy crap like you know like the, the final look of the creature i'll say like yeah just and how he <laughs> you know how you know how he does his thing and and uh yeah you know, and how they all just fall to this this creature or whatever yeah it's it's sort of it, like it's pretty solid yeah they're i mean they set it up so you sort of hate these guys and so you're rooting for them to get fucked up at the end so it's it's a nice happy ending for um most of us watching and uh <laughs> And there's this weird commercial. I don't remember where it was within the segments, but there's this um, fake commercial for the Veggie Masher. I think it was between two of these segments, but um, I had to look that up. And that's directed by Stephen uh, Kostansky, who did The Void and Psycho Goreman. And when I saw yes. that, I'm like, a fucking course. This weird ass com- inf- fake infomercial of this product <laughs> called the Ves- Veggie Masher that turns veggies into like a yum he says something like a yummy uh delicious paste or something uh <laughs> i was uh, like where's where's the plastic uh thing around it to make it to where it's not just gonna splatter <laughs> everywhere yeah yeah uh i just love that they get him in to just do some fake commercial shit like that just made it um right. so much more funny but um after we d- after we watch the terror it sort of wraps up the um, wraparound story of holy hell where we find out that some of the people within the um swat team were actually in on it and they get like sort of the head honcho of the swat team they tie him up and we find out you know that it was like a cult thing that they were involved with and they basically lured this guy in and are forcing him to watch these movies which i thought was a cool um sort of ending to the wraparound too i i i it, you know, it's really hit or miss on those wraparounds. And if you don't have a good wraparound, it can sort of sour the rest of the segment. So I thought um, this one was pretty strong too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think this, the ending was maybe like the least uh, favorite part of the movie for me. Yeah. But, it didn't I mean, really stick the ending. Yeah. But I mean, with, with the wraparounds, it is kind of hard to make like, you know, a good, ending to a wraparound story so i mean i'll i'll forgive it i guess you know like i'm not like saying i hated it but um i don't know and i'm trying to think of like how they could have made it stronger and i don't know how i would have done it so you know i for the most part i thought it was decent maybe maybe uh maybe like the the kill could have been better yeah yeah Yeah, i don't know how you do it either because it's pretty solid though i guess (laughs) yeah i mean like you said it's just i mean it's a wraparound so it's it's tough it's like but yeah i mean it was it was it was good it was fine but it it didn't like make or break that at the end i've i've watched you know four what i thought were four very strong segments so i was like you know it doesn't have to be perfect but 
Um, the wraparound was actually yeah. directed by Jennifer Reeder, if I didn't mention her name earlier. And uh, David Bruckner and Brad Miska. Brad Miska, you might recognize that name from Bloody Disgusting. Um, they were yeah. the credited as writing um, for writing, and the uh, anthology concept was by these guys. So I believe they were involved in the first uh, two and sort of wanted to come back to it. So I'm stoked that they, they got back and brought it sort of back to its roots um, and brought another, what I think, like you said, um, right at the beginning of the show might've this, I don't know. I had to go back and watch it. Now I want to go watch the first two and maybe the third one. But um, this, this was really fucking cool. Like I was stoked that it was good. I was, I was like, Oh shit. If I got him on for a new movie and it sucks, we're going to have to go for like an hour just ripping on a new movie. And that would be a bummer. So um, as these movies played on, I'm like, okay, after the first one, I'm like, at least we got one good segment. Okay. We're two in. Okay. Three pretty good too. Okay. Th- this is, this is good. I I'm happy we watched it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was pleasantly surprised. You know, I thought it was going to be decent, but uh, I was like, you know, really ple- pleasantly surprised that it was good. And, uh, and like I said, I, I think all the segments were solid. Like there really wasn't a bad one. Like even, even the ending, I kind of maybe said that was my least favorite, but it wasn't terrible. And so, you know, I thought all of it was pretty solid and that's rare, especially for a fourth entry in a franchise. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely and and straight to streaming. Like I think that notion needs to go away. Like people assume when something is straight to like used to be, yeah, and I think Netflix sort of set that up where it was like if there was stuff that was made by Netflix, it sort of had a bad rep of like it's not going to be as good as something that could be in a theater. Where um, Shutter Man, like lately, they've just been um, putting out some fantastic stuff. Of course, some of it they just. Um, basically obtain on their end, which, you know, good for them. They buy it, but they produce some great stuff. I'm really liking creep show, you know, um, and that's yeah. all them. Like they are knocking out of the park for, for my money. I think, uh, you know, shutter is my favorite most watched streaming service, especially this month. It's just like any time you can oh, flip yeah, it on yeah. and watch something. I, I think uh, out of all this, the streaming services that I have, um, I, I would cancel everything first before i canceled shutter like that's how good shutter is i'm gonna definitely keep shutter before everything yes i like to hear that me too um obviously i'm gonna keep it because they're a sponsor of our other podcast but um i i am a little biased but i really do love it i watch it more than any other streaming service and like i said this time of year is like just awesome you can turn it on they have like the jack-o'-lantern channel that you can just sort of watch a a pumpkin i I, oh yeah i'll turn that on while i'm editing an episode just sort of puts me in the mood you know it's cool or if i'm like falling asleep on the couch throw that on and just i I love it but um yeah it's it's cool that we they they brought this franchise back to life um like you said a fourth entry in a franchise that most people thought was literally just dead and uh and it was crazy it just sort of got announced and then it was like a month later it was out and here it is you know it was like we didn't have to really wait i didn't even watch a trailer because i um had heard some some great reviews out of festivals and i was like you know what i'm just not, i'm not going to spoil anything for myself i'm just going to go into it blind uh and i was pleasantly surprised by this one yeah yeah for sure yeah i um really enjoyed this one i know i've said that many times but uh it it really gives gives me hope to you know if they make another one 
you know, possibly like a 1995 or, you know, I don't know what the concept they would run with, but I'm probably going to check it out after watching this one. Yes. If you're, if you're listening, um, Brad Miska and David Bruckner make more for, make more of these. I, I imagine, uh, they don't, cost a whole lot and you know i I bet directors are excited to work on them because they get to do these fun little short movies instead of a full feature so uh you know keep doing them but um where can people hear the rude horror podcast and um you know where can they find you on social media just let people know where they can find you um yeah if if you want to check out the rude horror podcast or just that i'm working on uh you can go to linktree.com forward slash rude horror podcast and that gives you links to like my facebook instagram a website that i'm constantly working on so it gets updated uh here and there when i can but uh then there's like links to where you can go listen to the podcast but uh you know you can pretty much listen to it anywhere that streams podcasts but you know, if if you're just not sure, uh, just definitely go to to that web address and you should be able to find something there that would interest you. Excellent. I will make sure to include it in the show notes too for when people listen to this, they can just click and check out everything. Um, but I'm so glad I finally got you on the show. Like you said, our schedules are both sort of crazy. We work uh, different <laughs> shifts and, you know, you have a kid and it's just sort of uh, life is, yeah. is, is tough like that. But I'm, I'm just stoked we had you on and, and hopefully have you back on because um, you have a massive list. I have a massive list of movies we haven't seen. And I'd love to have you yeah. back on to talk about like a classic horror movie. Even doesn't don't have to be a new one. Um, but I'm just glad you sort of got me out of my comfort zone and and out of the uh, the the sort of rut I was in on all the old stuff. So um, please, you know, like I said, come back another time. And if you're listening to this, go listen to the Rude Horror Podcast. And again, thanks so much for being on the show. Hey, Ted, thank you so much for inviting me, and uh, I'll definitely have to have you on mine at some point too if we can get things lined up uh kind of like this you know i'll just i'll just call in the work lights. man i'll just call in the work and, and <laughs> call in sick and or i'll just tell my boss you know hey the rude horror podcast called and they want me on he'll understand so yeah <laughs> right on right on <laughs> all right man well thanks again and we'll talk to you soon yeah. thank you thanks again for listening to today's episode if you enjoy the show please leave a review on apple podcasts a special thank you goes out to my friend Scott Schreiner for our intro and outro music. We'll see you next week on First Time Podcast. listening to the prescribed films podcast network home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment the shows on this network all have a common goal providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media the pfpn hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com thanks for listening